Today on Paralysis to Purpose. And we had no idea how I would ski. And I wasn't going to figure it out sitting on this couch at home. Mm. I wasn't going to figure it out Googling. Right? I had to get out there to the ski hill, even though I had no idea how I was going to play tag or how I was going to ski. This is Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast with David Cooks. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. I am David Cooks, and I tell you what, you are going to, you're in for a treat today. I I can't even talk. I mean, it's so, I'm so excited about who we have today. Um, I'm going to introduce her. If I if I read to you the entire bio, it would just take up the podcast. So, <laughs> so we're, I'm not going to do that. But she's done so much uh, in 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 her life, and will continue to do that. I have to share a couple of things with you. Um, all the way from Canada, that's the first thing. Um, she was just uh, recognized as the top international uh, business leader and mega speaker in the world for 2021, which is amazing. Uh, she's an author of a number one best selling book called Unstoppable You. Um, She's a thought leader. She is in the Canadian Hall of Fame for her humanitarian work throughout the world in developing countries. Um, Not only is she that, but she's a a decorated athlete. Uh, She's been a World Cup sailor. Uh, She has climbed the Himalaya mountains. Uh, The list goes on and on. She's a TV host of a show, Unstoppable You. You can find it on Roku. And she's also a podcast host, a recent podcast host. Um, And she's doing so many things. None of that is the reason I wanted to talk to Tracy. Uh, I wanted her to be on the show because she's a good person and she's good people. And I think that when we talk today and have a conversation, we're gonna let you listen in on our conversation. And it's gonna be one that will inspire you. You know, we're focused on going from paralysis to purpose and and that takes, paralysis takes on many forms. And for uh, Tracy, unstoppable Tracy, um, she has not let anything stop her. Um, She's a four-way amputee. I didn't mention that, that all the things that she has accomplished, she's done in spite of having some physical challenges. And I think that uh, perspective, perseverance, and partnerships are key to getting from paralysis to purpose. And and she's done that as good as anyone probably ever has in the world. And so with that, I I just want to say welcome, Tracy, uh, unstoppable Tracy, (laughs) to the podcast. (laughs) And uh, I look forward to our conversation today. Well, Darlin, David, you are unstoppable friend. Thank you for that magical introduction. Wow. Well, you know, it's it's easy. You know what? It's easy to talk about people when they've done the right thing. Mm. You don't have to come up with things. You don't have to mix it up. It's who they are. And that's what I love about you. You are just organically energetic and yeah. posit- positive and upbeat and always always looking for the wins. You know, and, and I think that's so, so important. So, well, well let's start with, with just a general uh, question about overcoming obstacles, overcoming difficulties, overcoming tough, tough situations in life. Um, help us with that. I mean, I talk about it, but I want to hear from you about what are some of the concepts and keys uh, that you share with people around the world about how you do what you've done. Yeah. Well, and I start off by saying you've given me goosebumps. The hair on my arms are standing up. You're so lovely. And, you know, mutually together, facing and disarming those limiting beliefs, right? That's right. And it started way back. I am so lucky that I was born a four-way amputee. I didn't acquire this disability. Mm. I was born missing my arms and missing my legs above knees. And I 
remember the first day of school and I'm face to face with the principal and I'm so excited, almost as excited as I am talking to you today. <laughs> and I'm like grinning ear to ear and my mom is with me and I'm like anticipation of getting through the doors. And he looks at my mom and I and his eyes are big as saucers. And he comes back with, I'm sorry, Tracy can't go to this school. And, and, you know, I bet a lot of people listening in have had naysayers or people that don't believe they can do it, whether they're black or white, girl or boy, with a disability, without a disability, right? We all like have underestimators. And the worst ones is sometimes myself, right? Sometimes mm. our own head. Yes, yes. And now I'm like, but I'm five and I am not a naysayer at five, right? And here's <laughs> this magical day my mom promised me. I get to go to school today. And I'm faced with this principle. And I know that your listeners, and I know you, David, right now are ready to roll on down there and face that principle and say, what do you mean? <laughs> but my, my mom, she wasn't. She was so kind. She just looked at him with her kind eyes and her kind smile and her kindest voice. And she just said, oh, how come? And he explained nicely because he wasn't defensive. And he, and he just said, oh, well, you see, because Tracy doesn't have her hands, she probably can't tie her shoelaces. And because Tracy doesn't have her legs, she probably can't go to the washroom by herself. And I realized, you know, it's 1970s and you think we'd have something set up, but in the 1970s, you know, we don't have educational workers, support workers, teacher aides or assistants. That's right. And the, right. They just don't yeah. exist then. And there's 35 year old kids, 30 other five year old excited kids running around mm. with my one kindergarten teacher. <laughs> and so how is this one kindergarten teacher going to be able to support Tracy all alone without her hands and her legs? Mm. And so my mom, she replied kindly like she is. And she just said, oh, I understand. But then she counteroffered. She said, how about since we're here today, can we just try? Mm. And she said, can you give me a week to try to find another school that'll be more suited for Tracy? Because she asked, how come? Right. She didn't say right. why, because mm. why triggers people? They make them defensive. She said, how come? And then she listened. And so she asked him and she heard he's worried about being stuck with me. Right. So when she counteroffered, she says. If it doesn't work out, no problem. Can you give me a week to find another school? So so hearing that the principal said, sure. We can try for the week, but on Friday, you got to try another school. So my mom and I, we walk around to the side of the school where all the five-year-old kindergarten kids are let in. And we're facing hundreds of kids playing in the schoolyard. And we're all together and we're all waiting for the recess bell. Because mm -hmm. the recess bell means we get to go in. That's right. And my mom looks out at the schoolyard and now she gets the look of sheer terror on her face. And her eyes are now big as white as saucers. And she dropped to her knees in front of the whole school. And I'm like five years old. I'm like, how come my mom's on her knees? <laughs> and of course, what I don't realize, right? She talked to the principal eye to eye. And I'm short. I'm a five-year-old. So mm. my mom dropped to her knees to look at me eye to eye. And my mom, she does that. 10 finger parental grip where they hold both your arms on the sides. And, you know, I'm telling you this and all of a sudden I'm getting a little spot on my arm that I can feel. I can feel my mom. Feel that hand. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling. You know that feeling, right? Yes. Yes. And it still happens at our age now, probably right from our loved ones. But <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes.
And so my mom, she's holding my arm. She's on her knees. She's looking me eye to eye. And she says, Tracy, it's really important that you and everybody's included. Nobody left behind, mm. including you. I'm five years old. Wow. I have no idea where my mom is so intense. I don't know that if I don't get outside for recess, I don't get to stay at that school. Mm. I break free from my mom's grip and I go to run and play. The principal was standing right there. He heard the whole thing. He was saw my mom on her knees. He heard her say, nobody left behind and look at me eye to eye on her knees. And now the principal's eyes are all welled up. Of course, now the principal doesn't want to send me away on Friday. So he is so excited. Fast forward to recess time. And the principal runs outside to find me. Because if I'm outside, I get to stay at that school. I'm not there. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes go by. The recess bell goes off. I never made it outside. The principal is devastated. He's like, what am I going to tell Tracy's mom? So he marched inside to find my teacher. And he asks her, he's like, how come Tracy wasn't outside? Couldn't she tie her shoelaces? And the teacher's all confused. Actually, Tracy was the first one to tie her shoelaces. What? With no hands? How come she wasn't outside? She said, oh, her little friend couldn't tie her shoelaces. So Tracy, pardon the pun, gave her a hand. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out... None of the 30 other kids in my class could tie their shoelaces. Wow. Do you remember what my mom said? Mm. Nobody, Nobody left, left behind. behind. Yeah. So by the time I tied 30 shoelaces, of course, I'd ran out of time. It took me the whole recess to tie everybody's shoelaces. Wait, wait, so you not only did what they said you couldn't do, you went into service mode at a, as a five-year-old. I'm, I'm listening to what you just said. And there's a couple of things we need to talk about. One, <laughs> we, need, we need to talk about your mother. Yes, right? Because her insight is amazing. And we need to talk about that because none of us make it on our own. No. And that's why we have coaches and different things in our lives because they can help us see the blind spots and things that we can't see. And they yep. can encourage and get us into places that we can't get to on our own. And your mother's wisdom in providing a way for you to be present, but still have an exit strategy. Yeah. That's you know, she asked him how come, and she didn't answer, I could tie my shoelaces. She sure did not. She did not tell him what you could do because that's not what he was worried about that's not what he was worried about that was an excuse because of yeah. uncomfortableness given that you were a four-way amputee yeah and because they could not see it they could not envision that you could even do it yeah and that makes sense like it, i get it absolutely it makes perfect sense yeah not a mean guy not a mean a, guy a blindfold just a blindfold and, and so, so you've been trailblazing your whole life. Well, but thanks to that day, right? Yes, that day, that, a five-year-old, sometimes at five, we're like, oh, I'm too fat or I'm too that, short or that's for girls or that's for boys. I made no and no. I'm like, oh, no and no just means K-N-O-W. Mm. He just doesn't know. And, or I just don't know. So you know, much to my poor mother's dismay and everybody in my world that when people tell me no, I just automatically default to, oh, they well, don't we know. don't know. Wow. Yeah. 
No it, doesn't mean no. No does not mean no. I, I believe that no is the gateway to yes. Yes. It's always the beginning. No is the beginning point. Yeah. What don't and we know? What, do, what don't you know? Yeah. And so, so that is, that is amazing. Did, did I mention to you guys that she's got some video that's got a hundred million views too? Did I tell you that one? <laughs> I forgot to tell you that, but that's part of this too. Um, so <laughs> make sure you check her out because she's really good. No. Um, so, so you're, you're, you ended up, not only were you able to tie your shoes, but you were able to tie the shoes of others. And the interesting thing is that everyone in that group could not do what they thought you couldn't do yeah, and they're right. and they're, they're kindergartners so yeah. uh, who, what kindergartners know how to tie their shoes so to me the teacher would have probably been better off just to say you know what she nobody in kindergarten knows how to even today 20 years <laughs> later 20 30 whatever years later i'm not confessing <laughs> who knows how to tie their shoes yeah. so Wow. So from that point on, even though you were that young, there was something planted in you by your mom. Yeah. Well, and, and so I was saying how ahead. kind my mom was with the kind voice tone, but she was also the kind, tough love mom. Mm. Right? My sister had to be able to tie her shoelaces too. And she was born with her hands and her legs. So my mom was just this tough Liverpoolian lady out of wartime that was, you got to tie your shoes. You got to make your bed. You know, I was doing all those things at five. So and so I'm just lucky. I had a tough love mom that expected me to do those things. So your mother, much like my parents, when I became a wheelchair user as a, at, at age 15, they did not change the standards. No. Whatever my brothers and sisters were doing is what I was expected to do, whether it was academically, socially, spiritually, whatever, it was the same. And so not having a separate standard allows for you to compete in the marketplace. Yes. And right? then some. And then some. Right. Now I get to bust Uber into Canada or help the pilots with their pilot strike at Air Canada or mm. Loblaws during this pandemic. Right. The, the grocery world turned upside down. They can't keep the shelves stocked. And so how do we turn? No, our shelves are empty. No, you can't come to Canada as Uber. No, it's a pilot strike into we just don't know and bridge mm. those conversations. Wow. Wow. This is really good. You know, this but you're giving me way too much credit, right? I, I just wanted to play in the playground. I didn't know that I was going to be a shoelace leader, but I got that's to right. learn that that's what it took to get to the playground. Mm. Right. So none of us plan on being where we are. We just get there because of what we've done. Yeah. And, and I, I've never, you know, in the 40 years I've been in a chair, I never thought I'd be doing this today or done some of the things I've done. You've got an MBA. I've got an MBA. We've got our education. We, we went on and did all of these things because that's what everybody else did. But but the beauty of it all is that we we have got um, some additional tools in our toolbox that we get to use yes. up that other people don't that can help others get inspired by what we do. And yes. to, to embrace that difference. I was, I, I was talking with someone the other day and he, and, he, and he said, you become indispensable when you understand that you're different. Yes. It and took that, me a long time to resist that or not resist to, that. Yes, yes. To, to embrace the fact that there's nothing wrong with the, the being different, even though everybody makes you feel awkward about being different. But that's what makes you an expert in who you are. Yeah. And that expertise opens doors for you. And he often said, he also said to me, he said, Cooks, you know what? Your gift will make room for you if you make room for your gift. Yes. And yes. so we, yes, right. And so we all have these wonderful things in our lives that are challenges that stretch us, that make us go further than we could think in our mind that put us in a position to serve and help others. And, yes. and that's what you've done. And, and kudos to your mom uh, for that. When, when we're going to take a break, a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about your mom and, and, and how you got along with other kids in terms of playing. And I, I think there's something story about some tag or something that 
was very interesting to me. And maybe you'll share that a little bit and then we'll, we'll jump off into uh, other people who've been a part of your life and have helped you get to where you're gonna go. We hope you're enjoying Paralysis to Purpose, the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Paralysis to Purpose for more updates. Also, check out David's website at davidcookspeaks.com to learn more about his mission and purchase his book, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. All right, here you go. We are back and ready to dive into some more things with Unstoppable Tracy. I, I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to this and watching this over and over and over again because her insights have already inspired me to, to do some things and do more things for more people. Um, Tracy, doing my research, I see that you were involved in coordinating the efforts between Uber and taxi drivers and unions and airplane pilots and that type of stuff to, <laughs> to bring stuff together. First of all, who does that? Uh, <laughs> and secondly, you did it. And I want to talk to you about um, how you handle or how you were able to deal with resistance and get get it to a point of agreement so that you were able to have Uber and taxis and the pilot thing under control because that's in and of itself is a gift. And can you talk about some of that with our audience? Absolutely. And, you know, you said, who does that? And I want to say you do that, (laughs) Mr. Extraordinary David Cooks. You want an executive coach. There's a lot of them out there, but who's got that deeper insight, but David and, and your listeners do that because they're smart enough to be listening to this podcast. (laughs) And so I was leader, but all your listeners are shoelace leaders too, by joining in. And who does that? People that refuel their souls mm. here with us right now. Wow. Wow. But, and we've all got tough audiences. So whether it's resistant taxi drivers to Uber or resistant players on a strike or people in this pandemic reinventing their business, right? We're all going through or reinventing your conversations with your your teenagers, because you're all homeschooling with little ones, big ones on top of each other and running your business or doing your job. If you're lucky enough to not be laid off from a job and reinventing. Yeah, that's right. And so it, it, it all, I remember actually walking into the room with all the pilots and, and it's predominantly male dominated, right? Like my sailing, yeah. they're 27 able-bodied men and three women and everybody's got their arms and their legs. And then there's me without my hands. And I'm on that start line with those sailors. But at all of that, the sailing, the strike room, I got off the elevator and I'm facing all these men in suits. And I'm, I'm with you today in a pink dress, right? right? And I'm stepping off the elevator as a woman, as a very feminine woman and a woman without arms and legs. And I hear one of the people mutter and they say, oh, great. Mm. This is going to be a total waste of time. What? Yeah. And, and, and of course, my first mistake was I made that mean about me. Mm. Right? I heard it. And I assumed it was about me. Who knows what that was about? It might have had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. They're striking mode and they're defensive, right? But it could have been me. And so I immediately standing there, you know, get a breakout in a sweat. And I am like, eight years old all over again, sitting on a front lawn. And I remember being on this lawn and I'm on this blanket without my legs on, giving my skin some breakdown time, you know, from wearing prosthetic legs. So I'm on a front lawn and I grew up in affordable housing, uh, which is kind of cool in itself that now I'm in like Oprah magazine and I started in affordable housing, right? right. Anybody can do it. And I'm on this lawn without my legs on and there's gravel driveway because of where I live. And I'm on a big hill because of where I live. It's crap property. And the kids are on another lawn over the gravel driveway. And I'm waving at them, right? I'm naive enough to think that, oh, they just don't know I'm here. So I'm like, hey, come play over here, trying to get them on my grass patch. And they're ignoring me and I'm persistent. And then they finally, the bully says, ignore her. Don't talk to her. She's weird. And of course I'm young and I start to cry. 
And so after a little bit, my mom opens the front door to check on me and she finds me crying. And, and my mom says, what's wrong? And I said, I just want to play with those kids. And I wave them over and, and they're just saying mean things to me. And my mom, she looks at me and she sort of tilts her head and she's like, oh, well, dear, how's that working for you? And she takes this long, yeah. And then after a pause and I have no answer, she shut the door. <laughs> right? And I then, love so it. You're laughing because you got love a tough it. love mom too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> you absolutely. get it. I, yeah, I, I'll tell you my story when you get done. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. So at first, of course, I think she's the most horrible, mean mommy in the world, right? That's right. But then I get this light bulb. Okay, I have every right to be crying and do nothing about it. Nobody would judge me. Mm-hmm. Or I could be crying and then I could do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so I look around. She's like, how's that working for me? Well, this isn't working for me. So I look around and I see this skateboard on the on the bottom of my grass lawn on the road there. So remember, my legs aren't on. So I roll down the hill to get to the skateboard. And again, so because my legs are missing above me, I have to sit on my bum on the skateboard. Now I'm missing my hands, Mm -hmm. but for those just listening and you can, you know, find the zoom podcast from David somehow, some way, (laughs) if you want to see the interview, but this, for those of you listening, I'm missing my left arm, but on the right side, I don't have a hand, but I do have a longer appendage. Okay. So I take what I call my long arm, mm-hmm. uh, which is, it doesn't look like your arm, but it's long and it's what I call my arm. And I take my long arm and I sit on the skateboard and I take my long arm and with my longer arm, I propel myself on the ground, skateboarding over to the other lawn where those kids are. And they're up a big hill. And so I roll up their hill. And when I get to the top of the hill, Again, I'm getting that same look I get pretty much every day of my life when I'm not in a pandemic and not leaving my house is these big wide eyes and they're all looking at me. And I think I even heard a couple of kids go, you know, like big gasps. And you know, when you're in a a car accident and things are kind of like in slow motion, Mm -hmm. you know, in the car accident, I see the bully's lips start to open right and i'm like oh gosh if if he says something first my plan here of what i like to say was borrow a skateboard (laughs) Uh (laughs) is gonna go south and so i've got to speak first i've got to say something but i have no idea what i'm gonna say so all i think of that i could say was hi i'm tracy can I play? Because I don't know what else to say. A smiley eye contact. I look at them across the lawn, all of them. And I didn't get off that easy. The, the bully was caught off guard. It totally bought me another moment. Mm. And he didn't know what to say. But because I beat him to the punch. So he replies, the new kids always it (laughs) i love it so now he thinks he stumped me right (laughs) (laughs) and so you know with kids you can't say well i don't know how i'm gonna play tag or i don't know how i'm gonna play hide and seek you can't say i don't know and then say oh okay well that's what we're playing and they would carry on playing right Mm -hmm. and so i can't have any excuses with kids And it's also like with the pilot strike. And it's also like with those taxi drivers that don't want Uber in Canada, right? There's no room for excuses. It's also like being a woman in a male dominated boardroom or a male dominated start line in sailing, right? Mm -hmm. There's no room for excuses. Oh, well, this is the game we're playing here. If you can't play, we're sorry, right? That's it. So I'm little, right? And and they're saying, and I'm like in my head, I don't know how I'm going to play tag. How am I going to run after everybody? but there's no room for me to say, I don't know. So even though I have no idea how I'm going to play, I just in the moment said, 
okay. Even though I had no idea how, I just said, okay. Mm. When he said the new kid's always it. Well, do you know that none of those kids ran off the grass patch? If they ran onto the gravel, I would have been up a creek, but nobody left the gravel or the grass. So I got to play with them. And then so fast forward, zoom, time warp back into, I'm facing this boardroom of pilots and, and flight attendants and cargo agents and baggage handlers and the customer service managers in airports, right? There's 12 unions represented from 12 different parts of the airline world. And, and United Airlines, Lufthansa in Germany or Canada in Canada, airlines around the world, they were all going bankrupt and they were all surviving with cuts and mergers. And so mm -hmm. the pilot strike was the same thing that was happening wherever you live and are listening from. Yep. And so they're all losing their jobs, their livelihoods. So they're passionate. And so I'm facing all of these, I'm, I, I say pilots, but it wasn't just pilots, all the union leaders. Mm. And I remembered my eight-year-old self. And when I sat on that lawn and I'm facing that bully, I just took a deep breath <laughs> And I tried to make myself as tall as I could without my legs on. And I made eye contact with them all. And I plastered on a fake smile because I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> my heart was going a thousand miles a minute. And I just said again, hello, I'm Tracy. Shall we get started? Mm. You know, and so it doesn't matter if you're eight or 48 or 78, right? You just sit up tall, introduce yourself with confident face, make eye contact and say, let's get started. Mm. So once again, you disarm them by, by what you do. Yes. You, and, and so th th that story and, and about the, the skateboard, there's a couple of things that came to mind that, that again, um, <clears throat> you find a way. Did you say you had a tough mom? Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you about that, but let me interview you. Okay. <laughs> one of the things in my book, Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose, one of the things that I say is that obstacles don't redefine you, they redirect you. And so one of the things that you had to do as an eight-year-old was look for what you could use so you could participate. Not knowing is not a reason for not doing. And I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of it, when I don't know, I know what I think I'm supposed to do, but if I don't know how to do it, that can become an excuse for me not to. And what you're saying is that not knowing is the beginning of knowing. And from there, you find the resources necessary, whether it's a skateboard, you know, whether it's a shoelace or whatever it is to, to move you forward, you do that. And one of the keys, and, and this is going to talk about the environment that we live in now, where there is so much social upheaval and, and strife and everything. And one of the things you did not do in that room was make it a personal thing. Yeah. You said, I don't know exactly why they're talking to me this way or what's going on, because they could have had something happen at home. Someone could have died, something else. But you were able to go into that space, which allowed for you not to become, um, um, you know, I don't know what the right agitated or, or whatever. Can you just talk about the importance of how not taking things personal has led you to become who you are and also in this in this environment of hypersensitivity, I call it, how can we learn to give people the benefit of the doubt so that we can move forward and interact? Yes. Uh, I actually, a tool, especially when I was in the airline, when I was in that meeting that day, one of the things that was in my pocket was a Q-tip. And the Q-tip stands for quit taking it personally. There you QTIP, go. right? See, there you go. There, and see. you just, you put it in your pocket. And then if you think you're about to get attacked, you just remember and you just, you take your fingers or whatever appendages you've got, right? I have that one and I just rub that Q-tip and it reminds me, quit taking it personally. But every day on the street, people are looking, right? And, and I think as a very young girl, 
And still today, you know, just this week, somebody took a look at me and then they start spontaneously crying. And, and do I strike you as a sad person? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so do you, you don't need to be sad for me, but they just don't know what they don't know. Right. That's right. That's right. And, and so uh, I needed to very early on, I didn't talk before I was two. And it's hard to imagine this outgoing version of wow. myself. But I think because I was born with a disability, I had to learn very quickly that when people look at me in fear or sadness, that's what the next half an hour is going to be. Mm. But if I can look back at them, when they look at me with that face, with a smile and bright eyes, they quickly turned that frown upside down, right? They, right. they, they wanted to smile. And so I very quickly learned to put on a brave face and put on a smile. And I think there's time and place. Like I talk very authentically with David as, as a mutual coaching scenario with, between the two of us. Mm -hmm. That's right. But, but that when I'm out there in the world, every single human being on the planet doesn't need to know what's going on or how I'm feeling that day. I think it's important that mm. most of the time I'm putting on a brave face. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Everyone in the world does not need to know what's going on with you. Hold on a second. <laughs> hold on a second. That is so counter to everything that I hear now. I need to know who you are, what your gender is, what you do. And you're saying, well, wait a minute. Most of the time, people don't need to know everything about you. Help us with that, because I think that is transformational. Uh, we, so, let, so let's take that with what you said about not needing to know how. Like when I started skiing, we had no idea with no hands and no legs how I would ski. And when I started skiing, there were absolutely no other four-way amputee skiers, right? Where above the legs, above the knees, above the elbow, Right. They're just I don't even know that that still exists. I know there's people missing hands and feet, right. but they have elbows and knees. Mm. So I call that paper cuts. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's what classic. David has using a wheelchair. Uh, paper that's a cut. paper cut. It's just your waist down. You got your arms. <laughs> Q-tips and paper cuts. I'm going to remember yeah. this for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. We had no idea how. And so we, we tried with my long legs on, but because I don't have knees, the second I'm on a hill, the artificial knees bent and I waved mm -hmm. out. We tried me in a sit ski, but with crutches and skis on my, but I don't have hands. So we tried duct taping it to my stumps, but it just wasn't enough control. So I wiped mm -hmm. out some more and we had no idea how I would ski. And I wasn't going to figure it out sitting on this couch at home. Mm. I wasn't wow. going to figure it out Googling. Right. I had to get out there to the ski hill, even though I had no idea how I was going to play tag or how I was going to ski. But when I showed up at the ski hill and I wiped out a whole lot of times, you know, avoiding failure, isn't it? You embrace possibility. You don't avoid mm. failure. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that again. You embrace, embrace possibilities. possibilities. And don't, don't avoid, avoid failure. failure. Okay. And I looked over at my ski instructor. He had huge feet. <laughs> now, so now I'm about 11 years old and I'm a little bit inappropriate. And I'm thinking, he's got huge feet. <laughs> my thighs, remember, I have no legs. So my right. stumps, my above knee thighs could fit in his boots. Wow. And then I got a light bulb. I could put my thighs in men's ski boots. And I wiped out some more because boots are angled and I face planted, mm -hmm. but then we just turned them around. I don't have toes. So we put my thighs, my stumps in men's ski boots backwards. And then I was in the skiers duck squat angled position from the angled boots, but I wouldn't have figured that out at home. Right. So even though you don't know how you get started, I had no idea how I would face those pilots with that resistance. But mm. it started with, let's get started. And let's then I started. did what my mother did. Mom said, how come to the principal? And she really listened. So I asked the pilots and the cargo agents and the flight attendants and all the different union representatives, how come? And they vented. They had a lot to say. And I really listened. And so the solutions didn't come from me. What do I know about an airline? Mm. 
The solutions came from the people doing the job. Yeah. And ask, yeah. does anybody else feel that way? And then they validated each other and say, so what are things that you've thought of? What are things you've tried? And then instead of saying, what's the problem here? We ask what worked last time we were in a similar situation, Yep. right? What you focus on grows. If you focus on what's the problem, you find the problem. If you focus on what worked, you find what worked. Mm. So, so let's, cause you, you switched and you know, you're taking me all over the place. I apologize. You, you That's were, the that, Tracy tangent. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you did. Uh, you, so you went from skiing back to the, to the airline, but, but the skiing thing, you turned the shoes around um, and you, and you still didn't get it right, right away. And so uh, first of all, showing up is the first step in making a dream into a reality. That's the first step. The first thing showing up is the first step in making a dream into a reality. And you showed up to ski. You got there and it didn't go well, but <laughs> you didn't quit. And so perseverance becomes key. And you know what else you had? You had partnerships there. You had people who understood that they could help you. And you saw some things you ended up thinking outside of the box and you've probably have had to do it your whole life because whatever worked for everybody else just is not going to work for you and that has nothing to do with abilities disabilities limbs no limbs that's everybody what works for me is not necessarily going to work for you what works for tracy may not work for david etc etc but if you can think outside of the box and figure out how to make it work for you, you're on your way to success. Yes, with the belief you can do it, even though you don't know how. Even though you don't know how, even though you don't know how, and I don't care if nobody else sees it, I'm telling you right now, yeah. if you're listening and you have a goal or a dream or a vision and, you, and no one else can see it, it doesn't mean it's not legitimate. And the fact that they can't see it means it's yours. Yeah. Because when everybody else sees what you see, eh, you know, I'm not sure how, how, what's the worth of that? Because a lot of people can do that. So, so th this, th those are such exciting things. Um, and, and, and so fundamental to success. I don't, and, and anything, you know, how you see things. Here's a chance to win a signed copy of David's inspiring book, detailing his personal journey, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose. Each month, there will be two giveaways. Just leave us a review of today's podcast on the platform you're listening from. It's that easy. And one of the things you kept talking about, and you mentioned it throughout our interview today, was making eye contact with people. Making eye contact with people. Um... Can you just talk about that a little bit? I've got some ideas about why that's important, but why, why was that such a big thing? Your mom did it. She kneeled down onto the ground so she could talk to you eye to eye. She was teaching you something at a very young age. Could you just share that with us? You know, I, uh, when I discovered I wanted to pursue my Paralympic dream, I reached out to who is going to stretch me. Mm. It's like, so my fellow Paralympians are fellow Paralympians. What's, what do I see as a stretch? And so as gold Olympians. So I found myself, Magnus Lidgedal, a gold Olympian. And I phoned him and I tweeted him and I emailed him and I Facebooked him and he never replied. So I sold everything I owned. I paid my next 11 months rent. I emptied out my bank because who's got 11 months rent, but I paid my next 11 months rent. And I drove down to Miami, Florida, and I live in Toronto. So we're at like two ends of the earth in terms of North America. Mm -hmm. And I drove down there, got rid of everything, my bed, my wall unit, and I got rid of it all or donated it because no eye contact wasn't getting me through to Magnus Lidgetall, the gold Olympian. Wow. And so, and when I got down there, I, he wasn't there and I slept in my car in a parking lot and I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning with the sunlight because I was sleeping in my car in, in his boatyard that was called shake a leg, by the way. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> yes, yes. Shake a leg as the girl with no legs. And 
guess who's washing boats at 5.30 in the morning, but a gold Olympian, Magnus Lidgedal, right? And so I jump out of my car and I'm like, Magnus, 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 I'm Tracy from Toronto. I want to pursue my Paralympic dream. And then there was a whole lot of silence because I'd forgotten my kindergarten lesson. I was Tracy, 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 right? Me, 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 me. And Magnus was washing a boat. Mm. And so I picked up a sponge, I reset, and I started washing the boat. And I had to wash boats and fix boats and wax boats for Magnus for three months before Magnus finally said and looked me in the eye and said, let's go sailing. And so eye contact is really important, but it doesn't always come authentically and meaningfully right away. Wow. Uh, and so you say, why is it important? I, I know it's, it's what it took for me to get gold Olympian Magnus Lidgedal. Well, and then your willingness to do whatever it was going to take. There were you, you were keen enough to understand what your ultimate goal was. Yeah. And you and you saw what he was doing that was valuable to him at 530 in the morning, mind you. Yeah. <laughs> so you instead of you just standing there waiting for him to respond, you joined in with him on something he was successful at. Yes. And that is wisdom beyond all of our years. Is it is sometimes you just need to become a part of something before you can become who you are in that thing. Yes. Just be a part of it. And it may not be significant. I tell people, I, my very first job in the bank was filing checks. Yeah. And I, but my goal was to be a commercial lender. So I filed those checks and filed those checks and did them the way they told me and blah, 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 blah. And eventually it led to me being a banker, but I was in the mix. You're in the mix. And and I didn't think I was learning anything washing boats. And, it, and, and on the 88th day, I, I didn't feel like it was appropriate uh, to lead me on and never turn around. But he never promised me anything. So it's my fault for sticking around, right? Mm. Not, not his. But actually, I knew the parts of that boat because I'd washed it so many times. Wow. And, and I'm washing and I'm on the dock. And there's the gold Olympian from Athens, 2008. And there's the gold or from 2004. And there's the, there's the gold Olympian from Sydney, Australia in 2000. And like, there's all these gold Olympians around. Do you think I didn't hear conversations that were gold Olympic level conversations while I'm fixing boats? And they talked to me and coached me. I just didn't see it. And you, you were learning banking while you're filing checks. I'm sure you heard conversations. You heard conversations and you and you made sure you were listening for them too. Because oh, once yeah. once you start to realize, oh, wait, what were they talking about? Let me let me make sure I'm attentive and listening actively. And it's one of the things you talked about. Your mom was listening uh, when you did the things with Uber and the, with the with the airline industry. They begin to listen, so then you could find solutions. It's so important. I think sometimes we underestimate the power of listening, which I think is one of the greatest communication skills. Yes. My mom always told me, you've got one mouth and two ears. Listen twice as much. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, look, our, t our time has, has come and gone. And, you know, we could, you know what, we may do another one. Uh, <laughs> because Never know. there is so much more uh, to you and what you've done. We haven't even talked about uh, climbing the Himalayan mountains. We haven't talked about your TV appearances. We haven't talked about your podcasts and stuff today and your, and your TV show. There's so much more, but you know, I'm going to give you a minute um, just to share anything you want with our listeners before we, before we close out, because this has been one of the greatest interviews I've ever done. And uh -huh. um, I've talked to a lot of people in, in a lot of different spaces but you are special. Um, the world is a better place because of you and because of all the lives you've touched. And it's never really been about you. You didn't have to respond to my email. You did not have to, I mean, you've got, I mean, your resume would cover the whole podcast. So the fact that you did that speaks to who you are as a person. 
And um, I'm grateful for that. So if you had one thing you'd like to tell the listeners before we sign off, what would that be? You know, what I love about getting undressed David Cook's on top of the curiosity that was piqued by a guy that writes a book called Getting Undressed, <laughs> was that, you know, we're, we're kindred spirits in that realm of no excuses. Mm. And, and, and my heart goes out to many of you losing jobs or reinventing current jobs and losing loved ones. And there are some horrific, very real reasons that people are living. And so I'm doing a little bit of my mom's tough love, but I know I have every reason. No one would judge me if I didn't do many of the things I got to do. Uh, but I know that if I live a life of no excuses, I get to live a life of no limits, mm. no excuses, no limits. Say that, say that again, that if you live a life of no excuses, you're living a life of no limits. Is that what you just said? That's exactly what I just said. David Cooks and Unstoppable Tracy, a little bit of tough love with sensitivity, mm -hmm. live a life of no excuses, no matter what's going on. You live a life of no limits. Wow. Well, let me, let's, um, I don't, I don't know where my stuff is, but how do people get a hold of you uh, on social media? I know you can get a free copy of your book downloaded. Could you just tell us that and we'll make sure we post it in, uh, in the video or whatever we do with this stuff. But um, could you help us with, because people are going to want to know how to get a hold of you, where you are and that kind of stuff. It's super simple. I am unstoppable Tracy everywhere. Two P's and unstoppable because it's so unstoppable. And no extra parts, no hands, no legs on my body, and no letter E in Tracy, Unstoppable Tracy, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, my website, my book link, Fantastic. podcast, everything, Unstoppable Tracy. Unstoppable Tracy, make sure you guys do that. And all the guests on my podcast will receive a signed copy of my book, Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. So I'll make sure I get your address, get that up to you in Canada. So until, wow. until we come back next time, this is David Cook signing off saying, remember that your ability to endure is always greater than your willingness to endure. From paralysis to purpose. Yeah, paralysis to purpose. Oh, paralysis to purpose. Thanks for tuning in to Paralysis to Purpose. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paralysis to Purpose on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. To purchase his book, visit davidcookspeaks.com. Next time on Paralysis to Purpose. My dream in life wasn't the big house and the fast car and, 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 and the healthy bank account, right? I mean, we all want those things. But my main dream in life, David, and for all of you listening and watching, was wondering if a woman was ever going to love me like this. Mm. Right, because I felt like damaged goods. I was like, God, return the sender. Like the, the package is broken. <laughs>